episode what is this 27 holy crap we are just cruising through the beast cast so we're seven weeks into the beast cast now raven that is amazing um as always i have mr raven scones here what's up um so this is a very special episode this week mainly because for the first time in probably forever we both actually saw a movie in the movie theater um, not together. Is that Amazing. correct, right? Yeah. And so you went to the movie theater yesterday. I went to the movie theater on Thursday. And what was your movie theater experience like? You so you said you didn't get any popcorn and anything like that. Why? Uh, because I knew that sometimes it's best if you just don't have anything during a long movie. So, okay, so I'm, I feel like I'm kind of like the opposite. I feel like I kind of need to have something, like, for longer movies, at least. So, like, if it's, like, okay, so here's the thing. If the movie's, like, American Psycho, where it's, like, an hour and 40 minutes, or it's, like, that 65 movie, I can deal without popcorn or deal without, like, a snack. But when it starts hitting over that two-hour mark, like, when you start getting to, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood territory like quentin tarantino martin scorsese where it's like two hours and 30 minutes three hours three hours and 30 minutes you know i kind of feel like i need like something to munch on like i feel like it's just kind of that's a long period of time you know i i grew up as uh as a you know as one of those people who watched uh tv shows that had hour-long episodes yeah and for me i would actually sit there and just like watch up to six episodes and then be like, huh, I'm hungry. So that's like six hours of just eating and drinking nothing while watching something until I felt anything. So it's kind of like my body has just been conditioned because of the binge watching of shows. See, and like um, the, the thing about the shows that I would watch, too, is I would binge watch, but I didn't need to watch hour long shows. So like way back in the day. When Family Guy first got, when Hulu first became popular and Family Guy was like, you know, oh, you can watch every episode of Family Guy, no way. Like, that was, like, unfathomable, you know? Like, to just be able to watch all that. So I would binge watch those, like, over and over and over and over, you know, for, like, the longest time. And it was, it was nice because, like, you could just sit and do, I like, as a child, at least. You, you feel like you never get hungry, you know, like your body can do anything, you know, so like you'd sit there, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to use the bathroom, you wouldn't have to drink, you wouldn't have to eat, you'd literally sit there for like hours and you realize that 12 o'clock became 7 o'clock and you're like, what the, you know, that's why gaming as a child was so much better too, because like literally never bathroom breaks, I feel like. Maybe that's the way I, maybe that's the reason why the, I'm the way I am now, maybe that's why my metabolism's so bad, literally eat nothing. <laughs> It never got a chance to actually work. Yeah, that's probably why. 
I literally can't. My metabolism is so bad. I literally cannot eat like more than like it. So some people like like skinny people with like really good metabolisms, they can literally like my sister. She can literally binge eat like so much food, and she'll like barely gain any weight. It's insane. I don't know how that works. Are you jealous? I actually am jealous of my sister's metabolism because my sister can essentially just eat like crap all the time. Well, I if I eat freaking if I eat like crap once, I essentially have I have essentially done the exact same thing of her eating crap for a week. And it's like, wow, that's crazy. You got to build up your metabolism, bro. Actually, I when I go back to Minnesota, I actually will be talking to my doctor cuz we were going to do metabolism pills, but she was like, well, let's just see how, you know, like how college treats it. Cause you know, you'll fatten up at college, you know, cause you know, you, you kind of eat, you kind of are forced to eat like crap. And if you don't eat like crap, it's like really expensive and a lot of work, you know? So like most times yeah. people just take the easy way out, which I mean, you don't really have time to not take the easy way out of that. So, and yeah, it has not gotten any better. But the weird thing is, is like, despite me having a bad metabolism, I've been the same weight for like the past like 10 years almost. Since like 2015, 2014, I've been the same weight. I've been like 200 pounds. Well, I mean, that's good. You're not gaining, you're not losing, you're staying the same. That's that's better than either, really. I mean, yeah. Um, The only thing is, is... I mean, even for my height, I'm a tad hefty, but I don't think that's a problem. I think I'd rather be a tad hefty than a tad skinny. Because being skinny is not good for you. Like, being really skinny. That's what some people forget. Some people forget that if it being, like, that's, like, the whole thing of anorexia. Like, you don't want to be 130 pounds when you're six foot two. Trust me, it's not worth it. Your body... You don't want to be Asmongold or XQC. Yeah, I don't know how XQC lives, to be honest. He's like my sister, where he's got, like, that insane metabolism, because he will eat, like, crap. And Drugs. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, probably that, too. A lot he of cocaine. He takes Adderall. Well, yeah, I mean, I take Adderall, Adderall too. Adderall, no, I mean, like, this dude, he, he, he said that he's taken three times the daily dose because <laughs> he he's felt that he's needed it. Like, he's actually admitted to it. Uh... I think it's like three 30 milligram pills that he'll take. So, yeah, his metabolism is in overdrive because of so much speed abuse. Because that's essentially what Adderall is. Well, yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, like, for somebody like with ADHD, that, that works backwards. So, like, um, uh, if he has ADHD, then he's probably not speed abusing. He's probably doing the opposite. But um, for somebody like me, sugar slows me down immediately rather than giving me a sugar rush and same thing with Adderall so for so for Adderall like what Adderall will do is for people who don't have like um ADHD it will essentially like you know make you like really hyperactive you know make you stay awake make you do stuff like that like college students love it because they can study and stay up all night you know with Adderall um but afterwards like when the Adderall wears off you are drowsy but the thing is Adderall just essentially gives you that drowsiness right away if you have ADHD because you just skip that whole getting you sugar high, you know, like getting you that high. So I hate that too. Cause it's kind of like, I'd love to enjoy what everybody else is able to enjoy for a moment. Mm -hmm. But the thing is too, is it kind of sucks because you don't really have an option. 
that's why Adderall is meant to be taken in very smaller doses, like usually around 30 milligrams, because um, that way you don't immediately just pass away, you know, like you just don't pass out, but you still, you're still functioning. You're just not functioning at such a high level. Yeah, I stopped taking pills. The only pills I take, well, I take one for anxiety, which is actually crazy good. Um, it, it's helped me a lot, I should say. Not crazy good. I'm not saying popping pills is a good thing, but. Um, okay, okay, bro. Dr. House <laughs> over here. <laughs> you know, have you I ever... just stopped taking them because I hated the way I felt on them. Mm-hmm. And I obviously there was a problem off of them. But I was just like, you know, I play so many. This is me at this is me at 14. Okay, when I made this decision, I was just like, you know, I play a lot of these video games. I'm sure, pretty sure ADHD is like a video game. I just, I just need to adapt and overcome, and that's exactly what I started doing. And then after about eight years, it worked. Yeah. So longest boss battle of my life. It. Yeah that 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 is a way to overcome it. Um, I'm taking a very small amount of of Lexapro for social anxiety, uh, which is actually been really helpful because I ha- I can take less and less. So before I was having to take it every day and now I am no longer taking it every day. I only take it every other day and I'm slowly like the whole point of it. My doctor wanted me to, um, my whole doc, the whole reason was my doctor, she, she was like, okay, so these pills are going to start you off and they're going to slowly work you into those social encounters. And the goal is like the thing about with anxiety is some people, they get it to the point where anxiety is not overcomable. You need help, you know, like all the time. Um, but for most people, like I would say probably about 40% of people, anxiety with help, you can slowly overcome it and then you won't have to worry about it. And that was my thing, um, was I ended up getting anxiety in 2019. So for the past four years, I've been slowly taking pills, you know, to get off of it. And so slowly the goal is to not need them at all, which is nice. Um, so, so that was like my little battle with it. And then I took Adderall for the longest. Um, I don't take Adderall at college anymore just because I need that hyperactivity. Um, and I can live with it. It's not the end of the world. I also go to bed at a reasonable time. So that was my problem is I would stay up until like five in the morning when I was like seven years old, you know, because I just couldn't sleep because I was so hyperactive. My mom literally, it it was at one point, like, I swear we, like, it, it was so bad that she literally was like, I can't deal with this. Like, I would literally never go to bed. Like, I remember I would literally like stay up and I would watch, you remember like the those weird adult swim TV shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like children's hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones. Like I remembered those vividly just because I would stay up so late watching those because I, my body just would not let me go to bed. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, so, so before we move into our big segmento, of this week's episode. So me and Raven, we both went and watched the movie Killers of the Flower Moon. It is Martin Scorsese's, I believe he said it's his last film. He's not making any more movies after this. Um, he did a short yeah. film. He did a short film with Timothy Chalamet that will be releasing today, actually. But um, most people don't really watch short films, so sadly. Um, but apparently it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, so this is supposedly Martin Scorsese's last film. 
So if you want to go see a Scorsese film in theaters, this is going to have to be your opportunity. Whether you hear good reviews or bad reviews about the movie, if you just want to see Scorsese in theaters and say you saw him in theaters, um, like his work, this will be your last opportunity more than likely. Unless there's free runs, which of course there always is. Theaters always will do that to try and get money into the door. Um, my theater, oops, sorry, I'm grabbing something. Uh, my theater back home, they're actually doing a rerun uh, weekend this week. So um, they opened up two new theaters and they're actually having like a film festival for like $35. You can watch all these old movies, not like really old movies, but like popular old movies, you know, from each decade. And so, and then I think there's a couple new films that are premiering there too. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, doing stuff yeah, like that's that. pretty cool. Like, so that's like, that's like how most people will be able to experience it in theaters, but you'll never be able to experience it, you know, like as an opening, you know, like this is, this is a premiere, like this is a new movie, you know? So before we get yeah. into that, Raven, <clears throat> you talked to me about, you saw, um, so, so I didn't take one for the team this week because I was actually just planning on watching this movie. I didn't realize that Raven actually was going to go plan on seeing this movie, so that ended up changing our plans. So, Raven, you watched The Expendables 4, too, and you also watched a couple other movies. So why don't you talk about that? What What was that uh, like? The Expendables 4 has got to be one of the most uh, laughable movies I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, now, I know that everybody has different opinions about, like, the first three Okay, but for me, honestly, the the first three were actually good, in my opinion. Like, because I know what I'm in for. I'm in for just a bunch of wacky time with old timers who just want to just relive a few glory days with a simple plot and some just really fun action scenes. Funny enough, you'd think that that would be this movie. It's not. This movie's so bad. I don't know who gave it a budget. I don't know what Sylvester Stallone was thinking. But whoever was in charge of this movie needs to be fired. This should. You okay? So there's a moment in like the first five minutes of the film, where Sylvester Stallone's going to Jason uh, Statham's uh, house. Okay, to go to go pick him up and tell him there's a job for them, and he's knocking on the door, and it's switching between a, a, an angle between him knocking on the door and then like one of those little peephole. Uh, angles like somebody's looking through the, the the door peephole at him the door peephole angle has a green screen behind him of the town why do you have a green screen for a peephole shot it makes no sense here's the funniest hot take about this movie to be honest Megan Fox and Jason Statham actually carried the film really yeah, they're boyfriend, girlfriend in this film. And as much as I thought Megan Fox was going to bring down this film, her relationship with Jason's character, that whole thing, that's literally the only fucking thing that carried this film. It's the only thing that carried this film. The rest of this film is garbage. It is so bad. Effects were horrible. And what pisses me off the most is the bad guy in the film is um, the guy who's the main actor in... The two Japanese movies, uh, The Raid and The Raid 2. I don't know if you've seen The Raid. That sounds very familiar. I feel like I wanted to watch one of those movies and you actually gave me a copy. Or am I thinking of a different movie? Uh, I don't know if I gave you a copy. But um, maybe. Um, is it the guy from Bullet Train? The old guy who, who voices Hanzo in um, Overwatch? 
Uh, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what okay. to pick. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Keep going. It, his name. His name is Ico. You. you oh no you no what? yeah it's not him. Oh I know this yeah. guy. He. Oh my god, Raven. Do you know what movie this guy played in? Um. He, he played in he, the Mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> and Snake Eyes. Oh. He he plays okay. Snake Eyes in GI Joe. In the live action universe that somehow exists that okay. nobody remembers. Anyways. Okay, well that's good. At least you know of him. Okay. Yes. He if you if you've watched uh The Raid Redemption and The Raid 2, okay, this guy's acting is phenomenal. And his action, yep. he, he's to me, honestly, I kind of called him the next mix between uh Jackie Chan and Jet Li, okay? Yep. Like they honestly they should have casted him as Shang-Chi just a little bit. Uh, he such phenomenal. Okay, they put him as the villain in this film, this movie. Barely any action, barely what? any. Uh, they, there's only one moment of him having action near the beginning of the film, and then completely waste his talent, completely waste his time. This the whole this whole movie. I'm gonna be honest with you, is the biggest embarrassment in the world. This actually looks like a project of quality that me and you would try to make to try to see if we could make it in Hollywood. That's how bad it is. Oh God, no way. I'm, I'm not even joking with you. Like I, it, after the podcast, I will screen share how bad this stupid ass movie is. The, the, okay. So it, the whole thing is predictable for me. Okay. The reason why I liked the first Expendables movie was the premise behind why it was being made. So Sylvester Stallone felt like there were people like Terry Crews and, you know, kind of a bit Arnold Schwarzenegger until, you know, Terminator movies became more popular. But people like him and Terry Crews, who they were great 90s action dudes, mm -hmm. but the era of cheesy one-liners and people who can't literally make Oscar worthy performances, uh, their, their time is done, not just because they're getting older, but because they just don't have that ability. So he wanted to bring a together a bunch of just action heroes and make like just a story for them to show off that they still got it. But with an actual story, the first one was of a, of a, I, I believe like some Colombian third world dictator that they had to bring down that was ruining a country. And it was it had some really good scene. I mean, that was quality there. Like I was watching it and I was all like, dang, look at that. Rambo's back. And then, you know, you had Terry Crews doing his thing. Second movie had um, Chuck Norris in it, making funny Chuck Norris jokes. But they actually made sense. And and, you know, like when you watch them, it was just like, yeah, I'm going because like this was the time when you could learn to be brain dead and just enjoy the cool dude on the screen they took that premise too seriously this movie's brain dead and there's actually no cool dude on the screen in fact here's the funny part here's the funny part about it this felt like the meg three <laughs> no way because the whole movie has nobody showing off the uh, this is this is literally the premise of the movie and i don't even have to spoil it something happens with the first mission in the beginning of the movie that goes wrong so they want to get revenge. They go to a ship to get revenge. Everybody gets caught except for Jason Statham. Jason Statham saves them all in one heroic, 
30 minute long scene of him killing everybody. But then when he starts to fail at the saving part because he becomes overwhelmed by too many bad guys, the reason they were there to get revenge turned out to be a joke because the guy was actually still alive. And then the movie ends with poor CGI, them getting off a boat. And then, of course, Jason and Megan Fox doing it. <laughs> so you meant the, the Meg 2, front. by the way, right? Not the Meg 3, right? Unless you're just a, unless you're from the future. No, 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 no. I meant, I meant, I, yeah, I meant from, I meant this could have been the Meg, Meg 3. 3. Okay, so you're yeah. saying this could have been like yeah. a, a, the, the final of the trilogy. <laughs> yeah, this could have, without even a Megalodon, yes. This felt like I was watching some spinoff of, oh, this is what he does in his free time before, you know, he goes to face Megalodons. This is exactly what this movie felt like. But worse, this made the Megalodon, to, this made the Meg 2 actually look like a masterpiece. And it made the past three movies look like they were Oscar worthy. This movie was crap. Like halfway, I, I, you remember me messaging you. I was halfway through this film and I was sending you gifts of Dr. Disrespect screaming, what the hell is this game about? This is literally the movie. The whole movie was, was, was horrible. It was it, like, it was, it made Fast X look like a movie you want to pay to go see. I did go pay to see Fast X. <laughs> yeah, me too. But like, oh. it made it. It gave. It makes it. It's so bad. Yeah. Um. No. I. I actually. I knew. I knew who Wise or whatever his name is. Iko Uwas. Um. Because I actually watched that botched. I'm looking at it right now. This botched Netflix series called Blue Assassin. Um. I watched this. Oh, yeah. Um. It was. It was horrible. I remember watching this, though, and he's the main character, and then his, like, he's got an uncle who's, like, a bad guy. You know, like, every every plot of every one of these movies ever. Just looking at this, I can tell you, like, yeah, this is this is about as good as the CGI gets. It's horrible. He's a great... Here's the thing, though. He is a great stuntman, though. He can do so many... He's so good at fighting and so good at doing stunts. So That's why I want people to watch The Raid, because yeah. you will never see a better fight film than... That were and I and I mean it. When you come out of the raid, or when you're done watching the raid, there will be no movie that will ever itch that type of excellence in your entire life. And see, and and here's the thing too about about this actor in particular. Um, what's his name? Iko Uis. Um, he he plays Snake Eyes. So like, um, that's what I kind of remember him from the most. Um, but he's really good at, like, doing fights. So, like, he's, like, kind of like um, Adam Driver in Jason Statham, but, like, Jackie Chan, right? Where, where, like, he's not that good at acting, but he is so good at choreography. Like, the, like actually fighting, you know? Like, the choreography, you know? Like, like actually being able to, like, produce and make fights look real and actually do stuff, you know? He could... I, I, mm -hmm. I will tell you this. He would have played a great Shang-Chi, I think. Oh, yeah. I think the thing is though I do like the guy who plays Shang Chi. Um, so do I. Yeah. He's pretty good. Um, they so need to have him then as a villain. That that could be a good idea. Um, they also need to put Jackie Chan in this freaking movie because this whole thing is based off of Jackie Chan's fighting style. So. Like, I'm telling you, The Expendables Four is horrible. Don't ever see this unless you just really want 
you know what? If you're just having an irresponsible night where you're kind of intoxicated and you have a bunch of friends that are bored and you want to put on a movie, but you don't want to put on one that, you know, you want to watch and savor sober, okay? This is the movie to put on. You you won't remember it. I still actually had to refresh my memory of this movie by going through it at times four before the podcast just so that I could remember because I literally forgot this movie. Like, I, I remember I watched it, but I actually forgot this movie. Really? You won't remember this movie. I promise you. You'll watch this movie. You'll sit there and go, dang, this movie was crap. And then like two hours from now, you'll sit down and you'll go, wait a minute. Did I actually watch this? <laughs> That's how forgettable this movie is. But yet I can remember shit uh, crap about the, the, the first two. Three. That's Three was kind of mad. good and one's bad, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so um, another thing too that I, I find really funny about Shang Chi um, is Simu Lu or whatever Simu Lu or however you say his name is. Um, he yeah. actually he called out Marvel themselves, and Marvel was mad at him. They threatened to like not like cast him as Shang Chi again because he he called them out because in um, um what's it called um do you remember that Moon Knight TV show on Disney Plus? Yeah. Yeah, so in the in that TV show in one of the episodes they like are using Chinese, you know? They're talking about like everybody learns like in this like cult everybody learns like multiple languages. And like um the the guy like he starts speaking Chinese to the one guy and it's like really botched, like it's fake, like they're essentially just going like sha sha ho, you know, like that. Like they're just saying like fake stuff. And he called them out for it and Marvel's like, Whoa, you you're lucky you're even here. We could have casted anybody else to replace you and it's like, dang, dude. Bunch of assholes. Dang. But um, no, so so yeah, so what would you rate this on on our uh, beast cast scale? Uh, it's a two out of ten. Holy shit! Oh the my only God. reason why it got two points is because of Jason Statham and Megan Fox. One for each. Funny enough, I I thought she was gonna drag the whole film down. She was actually the only reason I kept watching. Was it just because of her looks, or was it because of her acting, Raven? It was because I was just so fascinated to see her in a movie like this, actually. I thought it was going to be like a, like what they were hinting at in the beginning of the movie, where um, she's just the girlfriend of, of Jason Statham's character, and she's pissed off that he's going off on another dangerous mission again. She has some really funny lines that I actually really, really thought were funny. The only funny parts of this film, and... Uh, like, I just was like, dang, okay, well, I guess these first five minutes of her have sold me on her performance in this, and I want to remain watching now because her and Jason Statham's relationship in the movie was a the only reason why I kept watching. There was actually no reason to keep watching this film after the first 20 minutes. That is sad. I'm so glad I never went to a theater to see this, because if I did, I promise you, if that wasn't the case that I just stated with Megan Fox and, and Jason's character, I would have walked out 20 minutes in and I would have been walking home depressed. I spent five bucks to see it. Another depressing thing I'm looking at now, I like this movie, Snake Eyes. Um, it did horrible in the box office. Look, here's the thing. It did 40 million in the box office USD. And look at this. This is a movie either people hate or love. It has all, like almost all five stars or almost all one stars. There's like no in between. 
people either literally hate this movie or they love this movie. I feel like that's how all the G.I. Joe movies are, though. Like, do you remember the Rock G.I. Joe movies? The I remember this, the, yeah, G.I. Joe retaliation that The Rock was in because he, he wasn't in the first G.I. Joe movie. He was in this one, the retaliation one. Yeah, that movie was amazing. Really? You like G.I. Joe? No, I was joking. That was sarcasm. I was you can say... watch it for free on YouTube, though. Oh, shout out to that. Dude, you know what's really crazy? Is I can't believe they're actually having the Transformers universe combined with the G.I. Joe universe. That is so... Like, that's insane to me. Is that not insane to you? It is. And that's why during that fight scene, when, when Mirage became that, that mech suit for him to wear... Yeah, that I was I literally was like, dang, that suit gives me G.I. Joe vibes. And then the end of the movie is literally like, oh, yeah, we want we, we want you to join G.I. Joe. And I was just like, what? what? Oh, you're not. Like, you what? can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> How would you? Because now you have to explain where they've been this entire time. Yeah. How would you feel about joining the G.I. Joe Optimus Prime? You like, know, I kind of. What is G.I. Joe going to do in the Ultimate Universe? Like, the robots, like, think about it, like, the Transformers, they're, like, universal beings, right? And then you just got these fucking mm-hmm. humans. Like, what are they going to do? They ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to be honest. Uh, combining the universes like that actually insults all the characters in G.I. Joe. Honestly, yes. The, the whole reason, even if you watch the crappy one with Channing Tatum, the first one, okay, Rise of Cobra, the whole reason why you got invited to G.I. Joe was because you had a particular 1% top set of skills that made you worthy to be part of this elite task force. All this dude did was have a Transformer wrap itself around him into a mech suit. That's not G.I. Joe worthy. He's not one. He can't fight outside of that. Like he he doesn't have any skill aside from maybe uh, repairing electronics but they never went into further detail on how advanced his skill with electronics and putting them back together is. So what 1% is there even to have to invite him? Yeah. Steal his mech suit. It's yeah. It's so, it's so weird. Wait, the raid three Raven. Do you see this? Untitled raid. Oh no, it was never made. Oh Oh, man. I kind of got my hopes up. I was like, no way they're going to do this after like 10 years. So yeah, so okay, so two out of ten. Jeez, that is crazy. Two out of ten, and I I don't regret that, and I'm not even memeing either. If I ever show up to anybody's place and they say, no matter if I just drove across the country to see them, and they're like, "Hey, bro, we're gonna we're gonna pop in Expendables four, <laughs> I will drive home. <laughs> don't care. I'm never watching this film again. I don't want to see this film again. And honestly, this film. Didn't even have to be called The Expendables. I would have watched the film if it was just Megan Fox and Jason Statham doing, like, a Black Ops mission together. That would have been more enjoyable than what I got. Do you think there should be a fifth Expendables movie? Not with whoever the hell did this one. Like, I know Sylvester Stallone is kind of in charge of the projects a bit, but he didn't direct this one completely or produce it. I don't know who the hell it was. Maybe he just needs to step away. I think his dementia is getting to him. I th- yes, I think I think it's getting to him. I think he needs to step away because it's like you're. This was it was bad. Don't <laughs> don't see this movie. Don't go see something worth it. 
Speaking of worth it, when we come back, I promise we're going to talk about a movie that is definitely at least better than a 2 out of 10 on our BeastCast scale. Um, our next segment will be about the new Martin Scorsese film. Are you ready for this? Raven, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about it. I have never seen The Social Network, actually, at all. Dude, I remember watching that. That was funny. Oh, man, that freaking movie... I just seen the clip, you know the clip I sent it to you where he's like, oh, he's locked in, he just like slams the, like, uh, Mr. Spider-Man slams the keyboard, you know? Yeah. Or the laptop, I guess. So, okay, oh, welcome back to the Beastcast, by the way. Um, so, Raven, tell me about it. So, does that movie actually, is, okay, is Mark Zuckerberg actually the bad guy in that movie? Like, did, is he actually in the wrong? Like, did they actually, like, just be a douchebag and just dilute his shares, or what? Like, I don't understand the point of it. Yes, he did. He did. Okay, so essentially he started out helping out those two Harvard students, what was supposed to be a dating website. He saw the potential to make it much more. So he literally stole their work, their source code, and their their, their coding itself. And he transformed it into the earlier stages of Facebook and then went live with it behind their backs without even telling them. Was that the Rinklevoss twins or whatever? Yeah, they they were there were some twins, some Ivy League entitled brats. Mm-hmm. Not saying they deserved it, just they were kind of bratty, and because they weren't even putting in work to it either. Like it, the movie shows that they put in some work. I mean, okay, the movie's probably biased. They probably did, but he basically took it and just made it into Facebook, and then these twins see everybody going around like hey what what do you what do you want what do you, what do you what's on your computer oh we're on the facebook the facebook not just facebook the facebook and they realize bro that's our idea and mark zuckerberg's like no it wasn't you wanted a dating website i made a social interaction website it's totally different like but it uses our code all right then i'll just delete your version of the code and write my own so like, where does that guy come idea. in when does that guy come in like andrew garfield's character what is he uh, he is the friend of Mark Zuckerberg, and he helps with, uh, I forget uh, how he contributes to Mark Zuckerberg. They were, they were kind of, they were friends. Um, I forget how they contribute. I think his character helps with the building blocks of Facebook in terms of, like, getting them the servers and uh, the companies uh, that are willing to host the web page making it more popular advertisement and then his character um was planning on doing something it's been a while since i've seen it sadly but his character was planning on doing something and mark zuckerberg was just all like oh no you have no piece of the pie anymore and you have no shares you can't cash out shit goodbye and like complete backstab of a friend so mark zuckerberg in the end is actually the bad guy Sort of. of course he is. Have you ever looked at him? He's a I mean, lizard. Yeah, yeah, he is a lizard, dude. That picture. I had that picture actually uh, on my old account. I had I had an alt account on Instagram, or not on Instagram on Discord called Spoon One Hundred Nine. You know, like that. I would just stream myself playing Clash Royale too, and, and its picture was literally the uh, the mark the picture of Mark Zuckerberg uh, outside here. Mark Zuckerberg. Um, oh, they should make it. They should make a movie about him versus Elon. That'd be hilarious. Um, Dude, yes. Who's the picture? <laughs> this one. 
<laughs> the animated ones, uh-huh. the the ones where they like uh they'll they'll memeify it, or like, bruh, dude, this guy, he's got so much freaking sunscreen on, he's gotta be a lizard. Dude, I I look here's the thing, I am one hundred percent. Look, I don't care if I get sued. I'm gonna say it. I one hundred percent believe that that dude is not real. He's got to be like an AI or something. He's a lizard. He's a lizard human. Dude, they exist. <laughs> lizard humanoids exist. He's one of them, okay? You can't tell me he's not. This dude is too creepy. He's unnatural, okay? He, he's like Jeffrey Epstein. It's not normal. They're just... What is this, dude? Who did this? Who did this? It's a picture of the Joker <laughs> surfing versus his picture with him on the... <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know what, though? I will say this. I would love to see Zuckerberg kick Elon Musk's ass in that fight that they're having you want, in the Coliseum. You... Okay, okay, I need you to trust me for a moment. I know you hate it, but can you go to Bing for a moment? <laughs> oh, Bing? Oh, jeez. All right, yeah. Is this part of the podcast right now? Sure. I don't care. Uh, I don't think. Are don't... you recording right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, everybody. Yeah, we're just. <laughs> I said that. I said. I, I said. I said. Welcome back with the Vscast, Like three minutes. I thought ago. you were joking. No. Yeah, it's been four no, minutes. It's fine. Been, yeah. We, Wait, okay. Go, so go to Bing. Yeah, I'm on Bing. Oh, I can't see it. You're not oh, on the same oh. window as your Mark Mark Zuckerberg. Oh my gosh, Bing is its own thing. Yeah, Bing. Go to Bing. Uh, okay. Type. Okay. Type. Uh, click on the chat. The top left chat yeah okay uh click on it again there you go now type in the ask me anything just type in create me an image of elon musk and mark zuckerberg fighting it out rocky balboa style how do you spell balboa balboa you got it you're good yeah. That's not. <laughs> I don't know how. To, I don't... <laughs> it doesn't matter. It'll it it'll know what you mean. Okay, it's AI. No. I gotta sign in. Oh, Dang it! Hold on, I'll do it. I'll do it just for you. What is this? I wait, I, I don't know. What... So wait, can I can I just copy this and put it into this one? into the image creator? Getting <laughs> doxed. I have a Microsoft account. Yes. Why am I not staying signed in? That is stupid. Content warning. This prompt has been blocked. Oh my gosh. Hold on. This can't. This can't be. Hold on. We need to trick it. Some people have found out if you use a thesaurus and you type in different words, you get the same result. This is so sad. Oh. Oh. Um. I have an idea. Uh, what if you typed in, hold on, I'm going to try it on myself. Going at uh, it. Create me an image of the CEO of Twitter boxing the CEO of Facebook in a pay, pay, pay-per-view match of the century. 
It's see. Meta. It's not. It's not. Um. It's not. Um. Facebook anymore. Well, it's, meta. it's. It's still. It's still. Okay. It still knows. It knows. Trust me. It doesn't. You don't have to be precise. It's actually creating the image. That's not the CEO of. Uh, that is. <laughs> it has him boxing the Ivy League twins. That's not the CEO of Twitter, idiot. My image is generating, though. What the f- <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> what the heck? What is this? Who is this? <laughs> Dude, no way. I gotta post this on screen. I can't, I can't do this. Oh, no, it's the wrong screen. Hold on. Display capture. Get the right which display. one's Elon and which one's Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> which I don't. One? I don't know. Who got the tan? <laughs> Dude, what? Uh, for, people, for people listening, it spawned two buff dudes in an arena. With suits. One of them, and one of them's suits. black. One of them's a bald, balding-ish black, and the other one is what looks like a Greek dude. It's a Greek dude holding the Twitter logo, and the other guy's holding, like, a camera that's shaped like a plane. <laughs> what is this? This is horrible. This is so... Okay, hold on. What if we... Come on, it's gotta let me just do, like, Elon Musk. There's no way I won't do this. Give it to me. I'll try to create that. Oh, dude. That's so unfair. Of Okay, create me an image of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg going at it. What the... Stop. Why is it in caps lock? At it. Rocky Balboa style. Okay, in hold on. I forgot to type in create an image. I, I, I Just for fun, I wanted to see if it would make a, a Disney movie picture of Elon Musk dominating the world. And I forgot to type in create me an image, and now it's writing me an entire plot to it. Oh, and it added the Musk versus... <laughs> Okay, well, you gotta let me read this. Uh, that sounds like an interesting movie idea. Here is a possible plot summary. Elon Musk, the visionary entrepreneur and founder of SpaceX, Tulsa, Neuralink, and The Boring Company. I have no idea what The Boring Company is. Has Boeing. a secret, has a secret plan. Oh. Does has a secret plan to take over the world. He believes that humanity is doomed unless it becomes a multi-planetary species and merges with artificial intelligence. To achieve his goals, he uses his vast wealth and influence to manipulate governments, corporations, and public opinion. He also secretly develops a network of satellites, rockets, tunnels, and brain implants that he intends to use to control the world's resources and population. However, not everyone is on board with his vision. Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, the world's largest social media platform, is one of his main rivals. Zuckerberg sees Musk as a threat to his own power and influence, and he fears that Musk's plan will endanger the freedom and privacy of billions of people. He also suspects that Musk is behind a series of cyber attacks and sab sabotage incidents that have targeted Facebook and its allies. The conflict between the two tech titans escalate into a global war, 
with each side mobilizing their loyal followers, allies, and assets. The fate of the world hangs in the balance as Musk and Zuckerberg face off in a final, final showdown, a pay-per-view boxing match of the century. Who will win? Who will lose? And what will be the consequence for humanity? Find out in the Disney movie Musk versus Suck. No fucking way. That is insane. Dude, AI is disgusting, man. <laughs> the battle for the world. <laughs> Dang it. it. It literally will not allow me to create anything with either of them, even when I leave one of the names of them out. I know! It's so dumb! They must have, like, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, like, banned. Oh, man. That's gonna be the death of us. That that mich that AI learning right there is gonna be the end of humanity. Anyways, so, we got a little off-topic, but I love it. I love because, it. I'm sorry. No, it's great, because... Um, we were going to talk about the um, the Killers of the Flower Moon, but I think we can save that for the finale section. Um, so, Raven, oh, yeah. <clears throat> tell me about Saw X. You watched Saw X, finally. What did you yes, think I of did. Saw X? Uh, I, I loved it. I normally start... I started to not like the Saw movies after 1 and 2 because they started just to become mindless gore fests. Uh, but this one, like, my favorite scene is when he's watching that one custodian in the hospital room. And the dude's going through the guy's drawers. Obviously, he wants to steal his stuff. And yep. then he kind of, like, notices that... Uh, uh, John Kramer is watching him, you know, as an old guy. And he puts the stuff back in the drawer, and John Kramer's like, good, good choice. choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After he just imagined... It ripping his actually, eyeballs out. Ripping his eyeballs out, yeah. And it's just kind of like, this dude... I, like, you want to hate this guy, because he'll see somebody do an action that they probably could be redeemed from. And he puts him into, like, a horrific game to pay for that sin. And it's kind of like you you want to call him a psychopath, and then you want to call him crazy. But then you want to also cheer him on in this movie when he gets duped by these people pretending to be these saviors to the medical profession because they can cure anybody, and you just have to pay half a, mil a quarter of a million dollars. And... The life-saving stuff and like when i saw him realize he got duped when he took off the bandage off of his head thinking he had had surgery that saved him from his brain tumor and he saw that no incisions were ever made and his hair is there i actually got just as angry as he did and i was like you know what dude Get those i did bastards. too no, I literally, like, one... you can, that's how you know a movie is good, when you can feel, sorry for interrupting, but you can feel, like, the, the how a character is feeling. That's when you know the movie is just perfect. Mm -hmm. And and the only one I felt bad for was um, that young girl, Gabriella's. okay? Mm -hmm. Like, she, she didn't really partake in it, 
she was just doing it to earn money for obviously drugs, but we know that he punishes people who take drugs. Uh, so I guess it kind of fits into his whole thing, but she never warned him either. She, had she also chance won of... her game too. Yeah, she won her game only to be killed. Yep, not by John. Yeah, not by John. John started advocating for her, but it's kind of like, like this dang, like I really felt bad for that girl because it's like she seemed like one of those where wrong place, wrong time. She took the job just to get money when when she might not have been. I, I mean, maybe she was part of this crew the whole time. But it just seemed like this lady was going location to location and hiring whatever scum she could find to sell the operation to all these different people. So they might not have been part of permanently part of her huge group. They were just like, as she called them, the loose ends. So, so it's kind of like this girl, she just wanted money for drugs and this was going to make it by. And she's young and she knows she's screwing up in life. And it's kind of like, dang. Can't you have like just a tiny bit of mercy? But he, to be fair, I think John Kramer knew that because she did on John's on Jigsaw. Because now when he's doing these games, he's you know I call like two different identities. Jigsaw. Yeah. When I feel personally that he knew that, and by Jigsaw's own standards, I feel like her game was pretty easy. Oh, absolutely. And because he knew that he knew that it was easy. She'd be able to get out of it. She would 100% survive. And this would be like a lesson learned to her. Whereas the other ones literally had to take off limbs and brain matter to win. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, compared to like that one, like where he's literally having to cut open his own brain, you know, with a mirror. And then she's just got to like move out of the way of like the, the, the radiate or what is it? I guess, uh, radiation beamer we'll just call it that yeah um i i think her game was easier um because i think he punished them based on how much they actually you know fucked with him for example the one guy was literally like pretending to be a surgeon you know so it was like you know that that was like that whole thing and um the thing the thing about the movie was too is the twists in that movie are just insane like, it just, it, it, it I oh, feel yeah. like this is going to be one of those movies that you don't need to watch, first off, you don't really need to watch more than one or two of the Saw movies to understand anything. But another thing, too, that you also don't need to watch to understand it, you could just watch the movie by itself, and just, you, you'll still get the same understanding of the film, I feel like. Like, I feel like this is a movie you could put into, like, analyzing, like, like into a college class, like the psycho, like, psych, like a psychoanalysis of the character. And... Mm-hmm. Like, of, like, John. Because think about it. John's not really... He's the main character of the movie, but he's not really a hero, but he's not really a villain. He's more of an anti-hero. So, I mean, in the in the first Saw movies, he's... Te yeah, he's the villain. I mean, Jigsaw is the villain, you know? Like, mm -hmm. even though they're all... They've all done wrong things and they've done bad things, you know? It's still... That's... He, you're rooting for the main character. So the villain, even if it is an anti-hero, is the villain. You know, it's the opposition of the main character. But in this movie, he is the main character, which is an odd way of looking at it. You know, where you have the villain, like the main villain. Like, think about it. Could you imagine a Scream movie from the perspective of the killers? You know? Like, like that's odd mm -hmm. to me. Like, like from that perspective. Like, that, that's that's something that I feel like I haven't seen too much with horror movies before. 
Um, I know, like, the Batman tries to do that, like, with, um, at the beginning of the film, with, um, the Riddler, like, where it's seen through his lens, you know, like, um, him seeing the family, like, spying on them, with Ave Maria playing while it rolls the credits at the beginning, you know, like, stuff like that, but, like, to go full in on a whole movie from that perspective is, is immaculate. No, I, don't I, know. I agree, I agree. I, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just overall, overall just a well-rounded movie. Um, and I'm glad you saw the same things because there is some people that actually I saw on Letterboxd, shout out the Letterboxd, um, that really like missed the point of the movie. It wasn't just meant to be a, a, a slasher, you know, people are going to, there's going to be blood and guts everywhere type of movie, which people forget that there's more to movies than just like one aspect of them, you know? It's not the 1980s anymore. Horror movies aren't just Freddy Krueger is going to slash you up, you know? That's not how horror movies are anymore. If you want a good horror movie, it has to be actually have depth and plot to it. You can't just because every type of thing about it, like every type of like killing and way to kill, has been done. You know, I feel like to some aspect. So you gotta, you gotta, I, you gotta yeah. change it. You know what? What? What's funny for me is is I grew up watching some of them when they came out even when Jigsaw was supposed to be dead um, or had did did died. And this movie, it was kind of, I feel like to me, this is a, this movie is a personal test to people's intelligence in a way. If you watch Saw 1 and 2, and I know this takes place in between both of those, but if you watch 1 and 2, you really find that this, you, you just hate John Kramer. You're just like, dang, this guy is cruel despite the pieces of crap that he might put through torture you you still you're you you know you develop the normal thing you're supposed to he's the villain god this guy needs to be stopped then when you watch this movie you feel bad for him and i feel like that's the test of intelligence a little bit can you feel bad for a guy that you know is a complete psychopath if you can't understand things in his shoes then I kind of feel like it shows your limited ability in intelligence a little bit. Like you have to understand your villain a bit, you know what I mean? And in this movie, it was like, I felt that, oh man, like that I feel bad for you. I, I don't feel like I should, but I actually feel bad for you. And I'm 100% on your side now. Do whatever you want to these people. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I agree with you with that. I think the whole point of the movie, too, was to get a better, deeper understanding of John Kramer as a character. Um, the, the only thing that I would say that's, that's very odd to me about that whole movie was the timing of when this movie came out. I feel like this should have been a movie that should have came out, like, six years ago. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's better late than never, though. I always say that with everything. Like, if I ever become a teacher, which is kind of the path I'm going down, to me, I think soft deadlines are better than hard deadlines because at the end of the day, if that person still had the ability to turn in the work and do the work, you know, it's better to do it than to never do it, you know? That's kind of my thing. You still are going to learn. Like, that's the thing. You're still going to learn from the homework even if you do it a month after it was due. So, like, I feel like punishing people for not doing it sooner is is a bad thing which is why i don't ever take movies like 
like that. Like, for example, Black Widow. Despite the timing of Black Widow, I don't like when Black Widow came out. Um, it did not need to come out in 2021. Despite all that, I still... Because she's been dead for two years. But um, despite all that, I still think that they didn't take away from that movie being horrible. You know? Like, yeah. that movie That movie was just bad. And I, when I ranked that movie, I didn't rank it off of, oh, it came out two years after Black Widow died in the universe. Oh, yeah. You know? Like... No, I, I, I usually don't. I don't I don't take that into effect. The only time I would say that actually matters Well, I feel like it doesn't because like even in cases with Blade Runner where it took him like thirty years to make a new one same with Top Gun, like where it takes like thirty years to make a new one, those those sequels are masterpieces to the originals. Mm -hmm. Like Top Gun Maverick's a masterpiece. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is a masterpiece. Like, and then both of their original movies are just as good. Like, I feel like the longer you wait to make a sequel or a trilogy out of out of a movie is the better. I think that's kind of like the thing with James Cameron is why he waited 10 years to make a new, 11 years to make a new Avatar movie. Although, man, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Avatar 2. I didn't, I don't know. See, that that's the funny part I've always wondered about. I remember when you had went to go see it before I did. Because I, I waited till it came out digitally, and you talked about how you didn't really like it, and I watched it, and I was all like, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I was enjoying my time in Pandora. And see, I think the reason why I didn't like it wasn't because of the the factor of like, um, they took too long to come out. I feel like it was just kind of something like I didn't need to see, you know. I mean, for some people who are diehards into the Pandora universe, like of James Cameron Avatar, absolutely, that's your movie, you know. But like for me personally, like I, I never was a massive fan of the first movie. I thought it was a great movie, and I thought it definitely deserved the success that it had, just because of the the leaps in technology, like to make the actual movie happen at the time that it was filmed, you know, um, in in just the storyline itself. But like I was like, I could go my entire life without ever seeing, you know, continuation of this. So that was kind of like my thing. It wasn't a timing aspect. It was more so like even if that movie came out three years after, like if that exact same movie came out three years after, I'd be like, oh, cool, you know, it's not my movie. I'm probably just not going to like it. Um, but I went and saw it because my grandma really, really wanted to see it. And then I went and saw it with my friend Josh too. So I ended up seeing it twice. And that really let it marinate in my head. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I will say this though. The CGI was definitely one of the best of that year though. <clears throat> The oh CGI, yeah. The the CGI water is tough. Water physics in video games is is a great example of CGI water. Um, trying to get water physics correct and trying to get water CGI correct. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, the the redoing do. of the puddle. Do you remember the puddle scene where where um what's his face, the big bad guy, he steps in the puddle, and in the original cut, the twenty seventeen Justice League. It was crap. Like, they, they, they rushed it. It didn't look good. And, like, it was nasty. And, like, everybody could tell, like, oh, the CGI is crap because it's a close-up of a puddle being stepped in. They redid it for Justice League. And, like, that just goes to show you how the audience will feel about just certain small things like that. So that was what I was worried about going into that movie about Avatar um, was was the fact of it's, it's mainly focused on water. And water physics is hard to master at all times. It's hard to master when it's just an aspect of it, let alone the whole aspect of the movie. So, like, that it revolves around. So they actually did a good job at keeping that under check. Um, I'm assuming they did, um, I can't remember, 
Corridor Crew has worked with the studio before. They're a VFX studio um, that has a YouTube channel. But they there's a there's a VFX studio that that completely works with CGI water, um, with water physics and and like people in water, things in water, stuff like that. I'm a hundred percent assuming James Cameron probably hired them. I can't believe he's still alive. Like, I just don't think he's... Like, I never hear anything about him. Like, do you ever... The last thing I heard about James Cameron, actually, funny enough, was about Minnesota. He was in Duluth. At the same time I was in Duluth, he was at a restaurant, like, literally across the street from where I was eating at. We were eating at this dive bar when we went to Duluth, and he was eating at, like, this nice, fancy restaurant across the street, and, like, everybody was, like, gallying around. I was like, Jesus, who fucking... What is Leonardo DiCaprio over there? It's close. It was James Cameron. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I literally remember been in the same place at the same time. I know, dude. Literally, I remember telling Alan because I was with Alan and my friend Alan. I remember. I I think I think I told him, or maybe I didn't tell him. I don't remember. I I I, I at least I either told it. I either said it out loud and maybe nobody remembers it, or I told Alan. But there was like a group of people around like this restaurant when we were walking back, and it was super rainy too. It was like super rainy. It was kind of dark, but there was like all these people at this, like, nice restaurant across the street. And I think I, I, I remember saying out loud, like, Jesus, who's in there? Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, and then we, and then it started raining and lightning, so we, like, fucking sprinted back to our hotel because we didn't, all the Ubers, because, you know, as soon as, in, in a, like, a tourist attraction, like, uh, like, Duluth, like, as soon as, like, something, like, rain starts happening, everybody just freaking floods Uber and, like, taxi apps. Like, so, like, you can't, you, it would, like, a three-hour wait for an Uber. So we freaking we just we we just ran back we sprinted like dead sprint. But yeah, he was there. Um, you can look it up. I think it was James Cameron has dinner. There was an article about it. Cameron. Dude, I imagine you know I f actually forget what half of these yeah, right directors look. I, right I forget what half of these directors look like. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I sat down next to one by accident. Three-time Oscar winner and writer James Cameron. Was allegedly checking out the area on Sunday, um, but he was at a, he was in the re he was in the restaurant with this lady. Um, yeah. Dang, you were right across from him. I know. It was sad. Missed opportunity to tell him what you thought. <laughs> I I don't, dude. If I ever see any of these directors in real life, even if I don't like their movies, I'm not gonna tell them their shit. Like that's just kind of rude. Like think about it. Would you do that to somebody? Like. Like, it, it, okay, unless the movie's so bad. I can only think of, like, three people in history that I would say, your movie's trash. Ryan Johnson, uh, freaking Joss Sweden, and... Mm, actually, no, I wouldn't say it to him. Because that's all right. Ryan Johnson, though, he ruined Star Wars for me, man. You really did. It, it was like a fall from grace. Like, it proved that there could be bad Star Wars movies. Okay, so people were like... Okay, so here's the thing. The first three movies, like, the the, the prequel trilogy, right? Everybody's like, oh, they're trash, you know, they're bad. But, like, people started to come around to them. Once, you know, like, it started marinating and people were like, wait, I actually get it. I was just stupid, you know? Like, by the time, like, 2011, 2012 rolled around, everybody was like, okay, yeah, the movies weren't the best. And the CGI was kind of mid. But, um, the movies were good, you know, I guess. They, they, were, they were good. And then, like, we had this massive fall from grace. Like, we actually had, like the saddest like fall like star wars episode seven comes out and it's like okay there's potential if we can have a good eighth movie this could be a good trilogy you know we could we could salvage this and then nope just in the dumpster just destroyed my destroy luke destroy the universe let's just do it let's do it that way you know 
Ugh, man, I hate that guy. And then Josh Sweden for Justice League because he ruined what could have been an absolutely immaculate universe. You know... I can't think of anybody else. I want a good Star Wars movie. I do. Well, I can't wait for Rebel Moon. I, I actually can't either. Well, Raven, this is a good segue to tell you that I am now directing the next trequel, or trequel nice, uh, uh, trilogy of Star Wars. Dude, we'll call it Let's the trequel. Go. We'll call it the trequel. The trequel series. The trequel. Yep. If That's I directed, amazing. if I directed a Star Wars trilogy, it would not. I promise you, it would not be like anything. First off, it wouldn't take place during the Skywalker Sega. It would take place way in the past. And I would do a trilogy on Revan. Um, and the reason why is because Revan is a very popular character that hasn't been on the big screen at all. He's talked about in just about every single canonical version of Star Wars ever. From canon to legends to everything. He is massive. And he fights some of the greatest Sith. And he fights some of the greatest Jedi. And we never see it. We we don't have a live action like scenes of any of this. We don't even have an animated action of this. He's in Revan's in the the video game The Knights of the Old Republic for like half of a scene. So we need a trilogy of him and to understand what the star cuz some people forget what the Star Wars universe looked like before the Skywalker series or the Skywalker saga. Like the 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 beginning like episodes 1 through 3 and then going into 7 8 9 like that transition like that period like, that's, like, the worst time in the Star Wars universe. Like, that's when everything is horrible. Like, before then, yeah. life was so pristine, and the world that you were living in was so pristine. And it's kind of like the fall of the Roman Empire, in a way. That's kind of what it, it's meant to tragedy, is you have these pristine, amazing people, you know, like, this amazing, immaculate structures, this ama everything, and slowly the people start to get more dirty, things start to get worse, and then, boom, it just all falls apart, you know? And that's kind of like the whole point of that is it's meant to mimic history for of most people, but people never see what it looked like beforehand. I think it would be a good opportunity to see everything beforehand. I right. would love to see a movie based off of just a Sith. Yes. And well, Revan is everything... a Sith. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, like a full on Sith yeah. exploration lore where he's just murdering the hell out of Jedi's. But like in the style that Assassin's Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue had done for that character, where it tells you why you 100% believe that the Jedi are the bad guys. Yeah, and I mean, that's why a Palpatine series could have been really cool. Um, because for the most part, Palpatine was born and raised, I mean, he was born and raised evil, but he was, he, he never ever saw that Jedi is good. Um, and you, in, in his mind, Palpatine honestly believed he knew he was doing wrong, but he knew he, in his mind, he knew that the Jedi were worse than him because in his mind, you have these people that steal people from, from their, I mean, he's power hungry, but you have people that steal, you know, they, they steal children from their parents. They're, they're literally like, I think I can't remember, but like, um, um, he, he watches in like one of the books about Palpatine when he's younger, when he's like, in, when he's like nine or eight. He watches a, 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 he watches Jedi come in to the into the home and steal a baby from like this family, and like to him like that was just disgusting. Like he didn't like that. And then you know he also his hatred and his uh, he was just amazing with the Force, but he never was allowed to use it. You know, and he was so evil to begin with. 
when Plag- Plagueis kind of could feel that sense, and when Darth Plagueis found him, he was like, oh, this is perfect. This kid is just it. This kid is going to be great. So then all you got to do is manipulate his mind a little bit more to say, like, this is what the Jedi are. This is why they're evil. And so from his perspective, he never understood that the Jedi were good, even to the point when he would see Jedi do good actions. Like, for example, when Anakin has that thought of not killing Dooku in his mind, Palpatine's like, okay, Dooku just literally has destroyed this man's life and almost killed Obi-Wan, and yet he's still contemplating not killing him. You know, like, that scared Palpatine because he thought that maybe Anakin couldn't have been turned to the dark side because there was no way of... He thought he wasn't going to kill Dooku. And if he wouldn't have killed Dooku, that would have never set that path. It would have showed that he was still committed to being to light, and Palpatine would have been screwed. And then he would have had to show up with Ace... uh, Asaz Ventress or, or Darth Maul to try and take over, which would have ended horribly. Also, by the way, for most people who don't know, before before I know this segment's running a little long, but we're going to talk about this whole next other segment that's 30 minutes long is going to be to the killer of the flower moon. Anyways, so for those who don't know, Plagueis never actually wanted to take over the Jedi. He never wanted to destroy the Jedi. Like how, you know how Darth Sidious, like, you know, Palpatine, he destroys the Jedi, like crushes them, gets them out of everything. All... Plagueis wanted and for most of like the thousand years of the the rule of two which was like essentially where there could only be two sith all they wanted was power they didn't care if the jedi lived died or whatever they did they just wanted to be in control um they just wanted power they wanted to be in high places with a lot of money and have a lot of power and be able to do bad things you know palpatine was the one that introduced this idea of of old sith ways where they wanted to kill the jedi and destroy them you know and so a lot of people forget that too is Palpatine was like before that the reason why the Sith never took over or never got a chance to take over earlier for like that thousand year period is because they didn't want to. The Sith had already been in places of high power. There had been like five chancellors that were Sith for like for for during the period of the high Repu- of the the High Republic, like during Yoda's time. And in fact, Yoda actually knew one of these Sith was a chancellor. But the chancellor literally, when they confronted him about it, he goes, "Look." You guys can do your thing. I just want to be the chancellor, and I want to have money. And Yoda, instead of instead of um, this was when Yoda like had his kind of like um, this is when this is what Yoda failed to do is instead of vanquishing that evil like Jedi are supposed to, they allowed him as long as he was under constant supervision um, by the Jedi, and that's why the Jedi actually got into the temple where they were, and why the temple is actually the same place as the Chancellor's uh, palace. So that's why that whole thing is the way it is, where, like, the Jedi are constantly in politics. That was why. So they could keep an eye on the Sith, because the Sith were technically running everything. But life under that Sith during that Chancellor's period was actually great. Not like Palpatine's, where everybody was suffering and and broke. Like, because his was an empire where he had all the wealth. It was like a communism, where he had everything, and everybody gives everything to him. But, you know, nobody else has anything. That was how Palpatine rolled. Well, the other people, they were just like, I just want power. I just want to live, you know, have money. All right, sorry for the lesson in the history of Star Wars. You could write a whole book. Actually, there's been multiple books. I shouldn't say that. There's been multiple hundreds of books written on the history of Star Wars. Anyways, when we come back, we have a full 30-minute segment on Killers of the Flower Moon. So, Raven, finally, this time, for real, are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. All right, when we come back, Killers of the Flower Moon. And we are back. We are freaking back with the Beast Cast, our final segment the one thing we've been waiting to talk about all day, we've been kind of beating around the bush. We we have been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's finally here. The Osage Reign of Terror. 
the killers of the flower moon directed by martin scorsese raven this is huge this is huge so <clears throat> it's huge for a lot of people yes now, Raven's bringing a lot more to the table than I am here. Normally, when we do these movie reviews, these new movies, usually, you know, he steps back and lets me do a lot of the talking. But today, he's got a lot he wants to talk about about this movie. So I think I'm going to step back a tiny bit. I'll give my, you know, six cents and my give everything about it six cents, two cents. Um, and um, I'll give I'll give my uh, whole thing. But I want Raven to start and really emphasize the meaning of this movie and the whole story itself. Go ahead, Raven. All right, so the meaning of this movie is one that I got to learn personally uh, through a girlfriend of mine that I've had now for 13 years. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, she didn't live there at first when we met, uh, but her family originated from there, and they had moved back, side information. Anyway, so she's Osage. Uh Probably one of the higher percentages of Osage. There's no pure blood Osages anymore. There's actually yep. only six families that are. Yep. Uh, but she is as high of a percentage as you can get. Her mother is 50%. Um, she's somewhere around 33. But uh, she was way raised in the ways of her tribe as best as they possibly could in today's uh, era. Um, Osages... Um, Back in the early 1900s, where this movie takes place, uh, their land, this beautiful prairie land that is beautiful for cow grazing, but not so good for other forms of vegetation, yep. um, is covered in oil everywhere. Yep. And there, this movie covers a topic that we actually hid from our history books. Uh, unless you were specifically seeking out what happened f during this movie, you will never know about it and you've never heard about it. Mm -hmm. Because the Osage are probably one of the most powerful Native American tribes that did exist. They're yep. strong. Uh, what the movie couldn't depict was that they were actually tall, uh, very tall. And as the movie did say, they were probably one of the most handsome Native Americans you could ever find. They were a beautiful people. Yep. They're called Children of the Middle Waters, originally, because they had a, a came down from Ohio following the Mississippi River. And they had this little ritual they did where uh, they would throw a spear in the air. And if it came down and stuck in the soil, they wouldn't live there. They needed to find a place where the spear wouldn't stick. And they eventually came all the way down to Oklahoma. Uh, they bought a piece of land from the other tribes that were there for about 25, I believe it was 25 cents or $25. And they threw the spear up. It didn't stick. And they decided this was the land they were supposed to be. Yep. And thus the tribe grew to not really big numbers, but sizable numbers until the white man came along and oil was found this um i had to through the 13 years being with my girlfriend she would always tell me the story of the reign of terror and she would make sure 
to tell me everything I needed to know about her people. And it's a very sad story that this reign of terror that happened that the movie covers actually wiped out most of her people. Yeah. Um, in the movie, it's sad to know, see that they didn't tell you how many were actually killed. Yes. It was actually over 200. Yeah. And they, they only focus on the people around um, the family. But yes. My girlfriend was happy to see this movie made. There is a funny part about it. Uh, not, I always say funny as like a something nice to know. So I'm not really saying humorous. Um, the nice thing to know is that Martin Scorsese had actually written the script for this based off of the book. But he had, of course, his own little Hollywood twist to it. Mm-hmm. But then he was allowed to go see the Osage tribe chiefs. Uh, and after talking with them, he actually rewrote a lot of the script and then realized that he couldn't do this story any justice without trying to bring in the Osage members themselves. Now, sadly, because of the way things are, the people in the movie aren't 100% Osage. Most of them are Mohican and other tribes mixed in because they wanted to revive their people. But they got the the majority that they could possibly get for this movie to be in here, which is nice. Um, He did after coming back from the movie, which was a phenomenally three hour and 20 minute movie. I immediately uh, talked to my girlfriend about it and I went through everything. She's read the book. Obviously she loves the book. Although um, there are a few things the book doesn't cover that happened in history that are very minor. And she says they're not really that important to go over because the book still gets the message of what happened. So I went over the movie because I'm like, look, I can't judge if this movie is good or not, aside from knowing that it was a well-done Scorsese film, because if it misses the point of the history, then it's not a good film. Mm -hmm. And so I went over from start to finish everything about the movie. And I'm glad to tell you, Jay, and the people that everything I mentioned was followed historically accurate to the letter of both the history and the book. That's immaculate. I am. I, so this is something that's been huge and I want to talk about. Um, this is, this is not only do I think that native as, as Minnesotans, we are surrounded by a very rich native American history. We are, we are around the Dakota, the Lakota and the Sioux in Minnesota three very rich historical tribes that not only had a lot of fights with the white people, but also had a lot of deals and things made with them. And, and, and their, their history actually lives on a lot more than, than a lot of other Native Americans, which is kind of sad. But that's because the people of this area wanted to know more about them, while in other regions they wanted to get rid of them, you know, um, which yeah. is, is nice. This is one of those cases where they wanted to get rid of them. They, they didn't want them there. They wanted that land, that oil for themselves more than anything. The white people did uh, that came in there. They, and, and it's not just a sign of greed. Here's the thing. Not all white people are bad. And even at that time, by that time in the 19, that would have been about the 1920s. Not all white people are bad. And this is proven that even the United States government is helping, you know, to, to get justice for these people. If this would have happened 60 mm-hmm. years before this, like, let's say, like, just, you know what, not even six years, let's just say right after the Civil War, there would have been no United States help whatsoever. Even even with the most, you know, liberal uh, 
uh, president that you could have had. You could have had Abraham Lincoln, which, by the way, he didn't care a lot about for, uh, for Native Americans, which is really sad. He actually uh, gave the order to hang over 17 innocent Native Americans in Minnesota, uh, Lakota, uh, in, Man or in New Ulm, uh, Minnesota, which is very close to Mankato, Minnesota, in the southeast. Um, so he wasn't that good about that. So, like, um, it would have been it would have been a different story. Um, but because of the time period, you, you actually get justice, which is nice, which I, I, I'm glad that the United States government actually decided to step in and actually start investigating this because it, it could have been completely, they could have been completely alone. And if they would have been completely alone, we probably would have never even heard about this whatsoever. You know, we don't know about the, the thousands of people that died over the course of the 150 years before that, that the, that the people were trying to, you know, get the land from them, you know, like there's a lot of stories that have gone un you know, unknown and undiscovered. And it's just like with their language, you know, their language is, is dead. Like most native American languages are dead. They, there's only very few people that know them. You, I mean, for example, I was trying to go into Google and try to just Google like native American languages and they don't even have them on Google translate because almost 70% of native American languages are linguistic and not written which means they don't have mm -hmm. a written form. I don't remember if the Asage people were like that. Do you do you know if the Asage people were only a linguistic language or if they had a written form? Uh, they, were, they, they are only a linguistic language. Uh, they don't have uh, an alphabet, mostly only symbols to represent what th they want to say. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, like, uh, that, like hieroglyphs. That's, yeah, that, that's like the big thing about Native American, and that's why a lot of their heritage has sadly, you know, gone undiscovered. Luckily, we have had some very amazing people that have been willing to work with Native Americans in the past when it was kind of sh frowned upon to do that stuff and learn their history and learn their culture and learn their ways and learn about the stuff that, that you know, what they, what they believed in, what they know, what the things that they do, um, which is fascinating. Um, but this this movie was I I honestly like like you said Martin Scorsese, the thing about Scorsese is he with his movies, there's a lot of aspects that always get kind of, you know, made for Hollywood. Wolf of Wall Street I'm looking at it right now is a perfect example. Wolf of Wall Street yes is very accurate to the novel. However, there's so many things in the Wolf of Wall Street movie that are done just for pure entertainment, you know, to make the movie more funny, um, yeah. that didn't actually happen. And that was what I was scared about for, for, for Martin Scorsese. I didn't think he was going to make it funny, but I figured he was going to throw in something to make it more tension-wise for the movie. Um, and to my knowledge, in what you said, he's he stayed very accurate. And I think the he reason why... He stayed extremely accurate. And I think this is great storytelling, and I think this is great for young uh, filmmakers and, and movie makers who are, who are out there. If you're listening or if you're watching this, the one thing you should take note from something like Scorsese and the same thing from Christopher Nolan is you can make accurate historical movies and historical pieces that are also entertaining. Okay. Yes, they're longer, but, but think about it. That three hours and 20 minutes, that three hour movie of Oppenheimer, you sat through that entire movie and you were always invested in that movie. Why? Because you can make these entertaining. You don't need to add fake things into the history to make it entertaining. That's why historical fiction exists. Historical fiction exists because you want to make uh, a story out of history. You're not trying to make, you know, you're not trying to make history out of, of out of a story. You're trying to make a you're trying to make a story out of history. And these aren't that. These are almost like biopics in a way, mm -hmm. which is which is fascinating. I also I also find it really fascinating um, 
that the the acting choice the the actors um Leonardo DiCaprio actually I don't know how accurate it was but he to my knowledge learned how to speak a little bit of this language right uh yes yeah and to me that just shows why he's just a great actor to actually go out of your way to to study and learn something like that to get into that you know type of depth of of a character is amazing mm-hmm. that you're willing to learn a whole different language that's not even that well known that would be hard to learn the movie had the movie needed him to learn that to make it accurate yes. to um the story of Molly and Ernesto that we see in the movie. Yeah, and 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 the acting choice is, is amazing too. I mean, other than Leo, Lily Gladstone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I I was reading an article about this this morning. Um, Lily Gladstone, by the way, she's born in Montana. She's a like Blackfoot heritage. Those Native Americans in the Northwestern. Um, so that's she is Native American. But the thing is about her is she actually was going to quit acting. She had actually signed up to for a um, for some sort of course like a college course um to to go back to college in 2020 um because she figured her acting career was done she didn't she didn't like it she didn't have fun with it she didn't really have any opportunity she wasn't doing what she wanted to do and then martin scorsese actually she got she got an email talking about that martin scorsese was interested in her work and interested in having her play the one of the lead roles in an upcoming movie that he was going to start workshopping and he made it um i think this is actually I think this is his newest movie. I don't. I, I think other than the Irishman, right? The Irishman was his last movie, right? In twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. So so it would have been his next film. So he was starting to work on his next film. So Scorsese said, you know, this. I think you'd be perfect for this role, and I really we just want to capture this. And she w- reluctantly agreed, but she ended up finding that she loved it, and actually found a, a whole new age of acting. She found a whole new wave of of inspiration for acting, and um, because of this. She is now, she's now in the talks for winning, you know, best, best female performance of 2020. Oh yeah. She deserves it. She did an amazing performance in this film. I think she, I think she will win it. I mean, I don't know who else did a, did a better job, uh, likewise, uh, for best female performance of, uh, of, a, of a lead actor, um, in 2023. I think she hundred percent will win it. And if so, I think this will be one of the first times that a native American woman has won that award too, which would be immaculate too. Um, but then you have mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. I think he captures William King Hale perfectly. Like he is oh, like yeah. the perfect fit for like a character like that. Like he has that character. I feel I feel like he has like the character down to a tooth and nail of like oh, how he does. He like, does. Like how it works, you know? He he actually here was the here was the best part. It, for me, it wasn't even if he was doing a good job as an actor. It was out of all the stories my girlfriend has told me about William Hale and how he deceived the Osage people and the things he would say to them that, you know, are passed down even to this day through her tribe and and just how he was like the snake in the grass and the personal things that he would say. I was when I was watching the movie, it wasn't me going, oh, Robert De Niro is really pulling off William Hale. It was he somehow matches exactly how I've heard him be. Yeah. And that's what Robert De Niro always does well too, is Robert De Niro. He can get into a role and he can just play it. Like, like I don't ever see Robert De Niro as Robert De Niro. 
Like, I don't ever think, like, in my mind, like, oh my god, Robert De Niro is doing such a good job when I'm watching the film. No, I, I see the character. And that's that's when you know you have a good actor. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio does the same thing. And, mm-hmm. and like, um, other actors that do very good is, like, Christian Bale. Christian Bale's really good at becoming the character. Like, like think about just how different his performance is. Like, here, okay, not saying, okay, I'm not going to shit on Tom Holland here. But let's talk about Tom Holland for a second. For example, Tom Holland, when you think of Tom Holland in an act, as an actor, you think of the same type of scenario every single time. Same type of acting, right? You think of the same type of thing. You know, the goofy, quirky, young man who who's always going to find a way to get through, you know, his tough shit or his, like, you know, his hardship, but also, you know, do it in a funny way that's also, you know, everybody loves him, you know, something like that. That He plays, like, the same character, sort of, in a way. Um, and maybe Tom Holland can play more than just that, but that's all I've seen him, and that's all people want to see from him, you know, Nathan Drake, like, Spider-Man, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then you look at a guy like Leonardo DiCaprio or Christian Bale or Robert De Niro where they can you can put them in, into multiple different roles that are so different and unique to each other and they can play it perfectly where you're not even thinking that's who that is. Like, oh, that's just Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. No, that's that character. That's Ernest Burkhart, you know? Yeah, yeah, good acting. Yeah, like you you think of that too. Also, I want to point out the the the, uh, the spectacle, the the small spectacle in this movie that I want to point out that was amazing. Shout out to Brendan frickin' Fraser, dude. Shout out yes, to Brendan when he, Fraser. When he showed up uh, in that courtroom, I was just like, "Whoa, yeah, dude, whoa, hey, what's up?" <laughs> My and he did a phenomenal job. Do you, is this man your lawyer? Uh, I don't know. I am his lawyer. And then he's Dude, like, he did such a great oh, job. I know he, he, I'm glad that he's starting to make a comeback from acting. He was bullied. I don't know if you know this, but he's kind of, he's not slow, but he's kind of like, um, what's the word? He's kind of, um, sort of semi mentally challenged, I think in a way. And he was getting taken advantage of really badly. Like, um, in the past after like, um, let's see, I think it was after it would have been that film that he did in 2014. 14 or like 2013 i'm trying to find it oh maybe it was i don't remember it was some like some movie he did in in 2013 or something like that after that he he um his spouse or no no was it his spouse i don't remember but he was getting taken advantage of by somebody close to him and um he kind of fell away from acting and he kind of didn't want to act anymore and um he's just a really wholesome guy though and I'm glad that he's finally coming back to acting, which is awesome. And mm-hmm. he, he's getting big, uh, big roles like the whale, um, in Killers of the Flower Moon. That was awesome. Now, yeah, I have to, I have to do some justice here, okay? All right. Um, because it's upon request of my girlfriend. Uh, she had asked me a very specific question about this movie. That was kind of uh, an odd question, but we think similar, and we're in the knee-deep of, of stuff together. Uh, she asked me, was there a scene that made sure to point out that William Hale was a Freemason? And I was like, yes, there actually is a scene. It's actually one of the most comical scenes in the movie uh, where... Leonardo DiCaprio is spanking uh, getting spanked by Robert De Niro yep. in the Freemason room. Yep. Uh I don't remember do you remember that scene? Yes, I remember that scene. 
Now, the reason why she asked this was you might not get public search results about this, but the Osage started to realize after the uh, conviction of William Hale that the reason why everybody in Fairfax was covering up the murders of the Osage and how William Hale had gotten these people to these prominent people like the doctors prescribing the poison and the uh, sheriff's office uh, doing no investigations and the people, other people who had ran the town, they had figured out and realized that all of them worked together easily because every single one of them was a Freemason yep. conspiracy together to steal the head rights for their oil money. Yep. And that's when they had realized that Freemasons were evil. And I have no problem saying that they are because uh, they are. Yeah. The movie also has about four other lines, but we won't go into those. Yeah. But she was happy to see that there was a Freemason connection. And funny enough, after that scene, if you remember scenes or are able to remember them as the movie is continuing, you actually see the Freemason symbols everywhere in the movie. For each, in a, there's one in the doctor's office. There's one in the sheriff's office. There's one, in obviously, in William Hale's. A house when Leonardo DiCaprio goes in. Yep. It's everywhere. And she was happy to know that that was in the movie because she knows in today's times how some people don't want to be uh, historically correct if it means they have to be politically incorrect. And it was nice to see the connection there with that. And she she was happy about it. Um, so should we get into what the movie's about? Um, hold on. Before before we get into what the movie's about, I want to want to just tie off of that one last little thing. And this is something okay. that Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino do good: is their movies, and this is why their movies are really good. And this is another thing that young directors and, and filmmakers should take note of: is the reason why their films are so good is because there's always a something going on in the background in a subplot that takes a deeper understanding or something of a of a deeper meaning. There's always some deeper meaning. For example, like take movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where like the whole point of the movie, you know, if you just watched it without ever understanding any of the Charles Manson murders, you know, or any of that stuff, you just be like, oh, this is a funny movie. But then once you understand that and you rewatch it, you get a whole deeper, different understanding of the movie. This is the same way. Scorsese does this all the time with his movies, and so does Quentin Tarantino. So for young film directors and filmmakers, this is a great thing to do, is to always have these subtle historical accuracies in your movies to make it have a deeper meaning, which gives it another reason to be watched, to give it a different meaning to be watched after the first watch. That's one of the best things about their movies. Um, that's the one thing I wanted to say. So yeah, we can get into what the movie's about. Uh, what the movie's about is the Osage people, because of their oil land, um, the movie points this out, uh, they were very smart into not letting the white man control everything. The only thing that the white man contributes to is obviously getting the oil out of the ground, but they control where every drop of it went, and they made sure to understand the white man's law and making sure that they owned every drop of it. Yep. Because of this, it caused animosity between your normal thugs and thieves and even rich guys who were around the area that these Osages were getting richer than those in Dubai 
off of doing absolutely no work at all, but simply because it was their land. And they were so getting mad they, about it. And they were getting mad about it, yes. And what they would do was they would trick some of the women into marrying them to then kill them later to receive their head rights through um, law. Like, you know, how the husband gets or even a wife would get possessions of their spouse when they died, everything goes to them. Well, that would be the same thing with the head rights. Luckily enough, uh, my girlfriend still has her head rights. Her family still has her head rights. Um, she, uh, the, the white man who had married into their family, not that many long ago, they stayed pure until about the sixties, forties. Uh, they married into the Moncravy family line, but the man that she had married, uh, or the woman that, that the man had married, cause it was the man that was the Osage had, um, married a woman and right off the bat pissed her off by creating kind of like a prenup. That essentially says she will own nothing of the head rights if something happens to him and that it automatically goes to whatever children they have. And that's how he was able to preserve it for his family. And now my girlfriend has it. And yeah, it kind of it can make somebody jealous because I was during a lot of the time I would ask, when do you get the money and how much is it? Well, every three months, it's around between ten to fifteen thousand dollars just handed to you. And it depends on the gas prices sometimes. So obviously during Trump's era, uh, when he had made gas a lot cheaper, the check wasn't as much because things were being sold. Things were being sold at lower costs per barrel. And then, of course, Biden gets into office. Oil and gas go way up. More money. Yay. Uh, Just that. So, and also right now, to be fair, um, the, we're not buying oil um, as much from across these seas as we were like in the middle east yeah. because of the tension so we're drilling our own oil too so that also is like from north dakota places like that so some of that oil money too is also um that they're actually in theory should be getting less oil money now um as well because a lot of that oil is getting drilled from other native american tribal land which would be in the northwest mainly like north dakota um, montana has a little bit Wyoming is huge right now, um, and so they're pumping oil from there again. So um, actually, despite the oil prices going up, she's going to see an increase in her money. But in, mm -hmm. in general, she could, in theory, she could have probably made more money if we would have kept buying from overseas oil. But yeah, probably. Yeah. And so and so the movie is during a very hard time where people were even without marrying, were just outright murdering uh, some of them and just to get rid of them because less around means head rights have nowhere to go if they don't have kids. And thus the head rights uh, will either go to another tribe member or it actually goes directly to uh, the, the state funny enough, or to the tribes, not the state, the state, this was Indian land at the time. So it wasn't a state. It was more of a, it went to those in charge. And then when it was split amongst them, so once it did, and once they were able to get rid of, especially the men, that was the, that was a sad part that this movie, even if it doesn't uh, directly say it indirectly shows it that they made sure to get rid of the men so that their head rights got split amongst the other natives yep. so that 
eventually it was only the women who had it, and then they marry the women and steal it. Um, which is this movie's very sad plot of how they would marry women. They, through the help of William Hale, they were told they had diabetes and they were given false insulin that was actually a form of poison that would poison them over time until they eventually died. And it went by the guise of wasting disease when it actually wasn't. Yeah. And another thing, too, just to talk about the, the amount of evil that Hale is, is he was also, on a lot of those Native Americans, he was trying to collect insurance money by killing them, too. And mm -hmm. he... And, and this is just to go show you how he's just so greedy. He, he's trying to get money any way he can off of these people, whether it be from killing them for insurance money, stuff like that. It, it's just disgusting. And, and I'm glad that it's getting shown in a way um, because I had actually never really heard too much about it. I knew that these people existed. Another thing that's kind of odd to me is I thought for the region that this movie takes place in, I thought this area of, of the United States would be more packed to go see this movie because it is this region and it is about these people, you know, uh, of this region. So it was not. It was the only other people in the theater. And I mean, once again, I'm in a very odd town. So, you know, it's maybe niche for me. But it was just two guys who were talking about the book because they'd watched the, or they'd read the book and they really wanted to see the movie uh, adaptation. Um, but, like, I, I kind of almost made me sad in a little bit just because of that. Another thing that I thought was really odd is there. there's real-life um, correlations to still make the movie entertaining, too. Do you remember the scene? This is the one thing I wanted to talk about. Do you remember the scene of the guy where he's talking about um, uh, where he marries and, and the woman dies? Or, or no, so he marries and he wants to adopt the foster kids. And he literally tells mm -hmm. his lawyer, and he's like, now, if I kill these foster kids... Uh, does that oil money go to me? <laughs> and and he was like, um, are you saying that you are going to kill these foster kids? And he's like, well, not if I don't get their money. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Funny enough, that's in the book. Yeah, I know. And that, that's, the, that to me is just like so comedic. It's like, what in the freaking world? Like, it's just, it's just sad. Like how all of this stuff is like just so generalized for them. Like, it's just like, it's just like that. I also mm -hmm. love I, 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 I just love the cinematography too. The cinematography of this oh, movie was it's amazing. Was just immaculate. It it was Scorsese he just knows how to direct a film. He knows where things need to be, how they need to be done. And I honestly think if if um Lily Gladstone doesn't win the uh best performing lead female actress, I'm gonna be very upset because she deserves it. I'll start another Tulsa race riot. Jesus. Oh my gosh. But yeah. That's so where Osages were killed. Oh, I should. Oh, you were talking about um, your area of the woods and that you would expect the theater to be packed. Good news. Uh, my girlfriend hasn't gone to see the film yet because, one, she forgot what date it was coming out. And two, uh, every theater is booked. Nice. That's huge. And also, when you, have somebody, when you have somebody like Scorsese directing it and you have a big name attached to it, people are going to go see it just for that too and mm -hmm. DiCaprio which is great De Niro same way like my grandma she was like I don't even know what it's about but I wanted to go see Scorsese's last film you know and it's like yeah yeah so I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that of all people that chose to do it it was him 
or Nolan would have done a good job at it too because there's not a lot of CGI that needed to be done. Nolan Honestly, done... I don't think so. You don't think Nolan would have done a good job with no, this movie? No, Martin Scorsese has a has had a passion for this topic. That's and true. He he never got around to being able to fully bring it about because to this day, even as sad as it is, when he has wanted to go to companies and be like, "Hey, I want to make this movie now." They look at the premise of the movie and they look at it and they go, eh, nobody cares about that. No. Well, because of his success with The Irishman, they, he went to Apple and was all like, I'm making this movie now. Give me money. And they were like, of course. Why not? That's the, one thing, that's the one thing I got to say. I, I honestly love that Apple will give these opportunities and voices to stories that aren't really heard as much. And then Apple will also pay enough money to get big actors onto it. I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember the movie. Um, it's got... I'll, I'll find the name of it here in a second. But it's um, got... Um, it's got... What's his name in it? Hold on. Gosh, I'm blanking. God, I'm blanking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay. So, not this movie. Not Django Unchained here. But hold on. I'm just... I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. So, first off, we're going Samuel L. Jackson. Then, we're going to go here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'll find it in just a second. Can't find it. He was in Split. What the heck? Yeah, he really. Was. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, I can't find it. Okay, Samuel Jackson, Apple. He was in the yeah, film was in I watched. Split. He was he... in Split because he was in the movie Glass. The banker. There it is. This movie I watched way back in 2019. That's why I was blanking. It's been four years. Um, the banker was. It's about like a um, this guy who they. Per so this guy Samuel Jackson plays a banker, um, and this guy wants to own this black dude wants to own in in this property, and he wants to start making like he wants to renovate it because he lives there with his wife, and he's like, God, this sucks, and I want to renovate this and buy it and make it better, you know, f so people can live here and actually enjoy living here. So they end up like black people weren't allowed to own banks or weren't allowed to own property, so they actually pretended to have this white guy own it, and it was like a whole big story, and then they ended up getting jailed for it at the time um, for owning it, and but they actually secretly took all their money beforehand. That's why it's called the banker, is they pretended to own banks. And they pretended they owned this bank, and then they essentially ran it through this bank. So when the when the government tried to seize their millions of dollars that they had got, you know, from from the from their property, they had the money, and they just moved out of the United States. They moved to like um, I can't remember if they moved to like Puerto Rico or if they moved to somewhere, but they moved somewhere down south, and just lived in like in like uh, lived a good life. I thought that was kind of funny. That movie was great, and it's based on a true story too. Apple does films like that, and so I'm glad that they gave him an opportunity to to make a movie like this. And also, DiCaprio and De Niro would literally do anything for Scorsese, so that was another reason why they were in this film. So, it was just great that all of them got put together to make an actually good film. And I'm kind of glad that these films are starting to become more popular because it means more of them are going to start coming around. I think I think the success of Oppenheimer and of this film have, and I'm assuming the mul multitude of success that this film is going to have, is going to push people to make more of these realistic, accurate bio documentaries. You know, like biopics that are mm -hmm. that are got good actors, good cinematography, good plot. You know, still is enjoyable to watch. I think if more of these come around, I think cinema will be awesome. I think I would love it. 
to have these type of movies mixed in. Because yes. we should know our own history. And it's kind of sad that as Americans, you don't even know the own history of, of something so bad that happened to people. Yeah, which is why a lot of people like my girlfriend found the idea of this film being made by somebody as prominent as Martin Scorsese uh, very emotionally, you know, uplifting. Because yeah. it's kind of like this is this is a travesty that happened to her people a hundred years ago and nobody knows about it cares about it and nobody has even bothered to even before now make a movie of it yeah and i i think okay so writing this movie i think i gotta give this a nine out of ten i think it was a great movie um it's not scorsese's best work it's very close so it is very very close i think the reason that bumps this up too it is because of the historical accurate like accuracy of this movie um, also bumps it up in that he actually went out of his way and, and made this movie. It's definitely some of his best work. It is, it is high up there. Um, definitely nine out of 10 Raven. What would you give this movie overall? Uh, before I give, before I give the rating, uh, there was one funny thing I had to mention <laughs> that the only thing not accurate in the movie, which is a minor detail uh, was when Bill Smith's, uh, and Rita's house had blew up the house yep. explosion. Yeah. Um, the only inaccurate part of this was according to an eyewitness, Bill was still alive, but he was right next to his burning mattress. And in the movie, the burning mattress is in the tree. Yeah. That's the only inaccuracy. Okay. Which is funny. That is funny. Actually. That that's the only inaccuracy is a mattress. Uh, anyways, I would, I would, I'm alongside of you. Uh, it's a nine out of 10. I, I don't agree with it not being his best work. Uh, I just ag agree with that. It's amazing. And you will not feel, I didn't, I, you will not feel the three hour and 20 minute runtime. You, I actually, I you, actually didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't realize how long it was. I started, there was, there was never a time too, where I was like, dang, this movie's taking forever, you know? I never yeah. felt like that. I was always like, oh, there's just something happening. I want to see what happens next, you know? Um, you don't think it's some of Scorsese's best work, though? I don't think it's his best film, but I think it's at least in his, like, top five. Uh, I I would think it's close to his best. I think it's actually second. You think so? Do you, Wolf of Wall Street yeah. better or The Irishman? Uh, the Irishman is better. The Wolf of Wall Street is probably fourth on the list uh so for me okay well this isn't a martin scorsese ranking but a quick ranking of all of his films i'll just do my top like three i guess so my top three would probably be uh waffle wall street irishman and goodfellas probably those three i i i would say that it's definitely like fourth or fifth Either way, it's a good film. It is a great film either way. Yeah, I knew it was three hours when I went to go see it. Uh, I forget the exact amount. I knew it was three hours. But when I was in the movie, I was like, okay, I remember The Irishman. Okay, I enjoyed The Irishman, but there was still a point. Maybe it was because it was on Netflix where I was like about maybe two hours into it where I said, ah, okay, I actually need to get up and grab some food and a pizza or something let me take like a quick bathroom break and then let me continue mm -hmm. with this movie 
again, it could be because I saw it in the theater. I was actually like, okay, it's going to be three hours. We've watched, if you can watch the Avengers Endgame movie, you can watch this. Like, let's go, let's see. And then, you know, I was like, the movie got to the court scene where Brandon Fraser showed up. And then the beautiful ending with Martin Scorsese himself on screen talking into the microphone about the the basically the prologue of what happened after the court case and then the movie ended and i was like hold on i thought there was like still an hour left to go it's only been two and i like i turn on my phone because i turned it all the way off and i look at it oh no it's been three hours and 20 minutes (laughs) okay oh my well with that raven any last words about the killers of the flower moon before we send it off Thank you, Martin Scorsese, for taking your time to make something historically correct that most people would have glossed over or rushed through to be a virtue signaler rather than telling an actual history and have the real people involved in showing their actual culture and language. I agree. I Yeah, seriously, if this is his last work, I think I would be proud as a film director. For something so perfect to be, you know, something so good, I shouldn't say perfect, but something so, you know, pristine, so accurate, so well done, so well received. On Letterboxd, this literally doesn't have a single one-star review at all. Um, it, it has been reviewed over a thousand, there's over a thousand current reviews of the movie. And maybe at this point now there's a one-star, but there there was, like, out of the, there was 90% four and five stars. I think this would be a great work in peace to end on. And I think it's a service more than it is anything. And I think this will actually go down as one of the films that people could watch in a class, you know, of Scorsese's mm-hmm. work. And I think that's, I think that's immaculate. I think that's good. With that, thank you guys for watching. Um, seriously, our numbers, so... We, we've we've drawn away from YouTube numbers, but we've increased immensely on Apple, Spotify, and Google. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we appreciate it. Um, we understand that, um, you know, these sometimes go long, sometimes they don't. This one's a little less long, but I think it is perfectly fine the way it is. So thank you guys for listening. And we hope to – Raven, how many stars should they give us on everywhere they can rate us? A five. Five stars. Give us a five-star review. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.